Welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. Atypical leader starts now. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm okay. You? Good. What's new? Nothing. 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 You know, okay. what do trying you think to get this podcast about? thing going. What do you think we should talk about this week? Well, let's talk about what the hell does atypical mean? It means uh, not typical. Not typical. Hmm. No, no, I mean, that's a really, really simplified. Uh, so I've done, I, I agree. Yeah. That absolutely is what atypical means. But in my way, I'm looking at it around uh, how the brain works. Right. Okay. Is that... You know, people can have neurological kind of issues. Mm-hmm. You can have dyslexia, conditions like dyslexia or autism or ADHD or cognitive dysfunction, anxiety disorders, all kinds of stuff. Okay. And people get diagnosed for that. Going from there, if you if you were to take all these kind of draws circle on circle and see where they intersect, right? I believe that atypicals reside in that middle zone where a lot of these neurological conditions or just you have slices of them right. some more some less but really the point i'm trying to make is the result of that different way your brain works often comes across as limitations Other comes across that you're a little odd you can't do these things maybe you're not a good reader or something like that right what happens as a result of not being able to do one thing create skills coping with that that become skills in themselves that i believe are more valuable than what the typical thinker would get doing everything as according to plan and it's everything's based on intelligence and, and you know li- right. not so much in creativity and not so much certainly not so much in breaking the rules and right doing what you need to be successful unless okay. you're a politician right oh that goes without saying yeah did that uh, make sense yeah 100 percent. but what is this new word that's come out neurodiversity, neurodiversity. which is, is a brand new word i mean don't listen. I probably has been in the dictionary, although it sure isn't in spell check. Neurodiversity is a new movement, and it's best explained if I talk about diversity. So, as you know, over the last number of decades, diversity has become a big thing in, say, the workplace. In, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Which yeah, you yeah. want, you know, people of different colors and races and languages and sexual orientations and all that sort of stuff. The new thinking is around neurodiversity. Okay. Being that. You're different because of the way your brain works. And to look at that as not a limitation, but sort of a deviation of the way the brain works, and that it's a positive, and that there's skills to become out of that. So that's how it fits into atypical then, is that what you're saying? If you're atypical, you have these neurodiversities. These those slices of those those different, but you're but instead of how we've always looked at them as being a hindrance, now they're being looked at as a positive. Right, and that's real around the formal conditions. Right. What I'm saying is that I think the sliver of people, and I think it's a huge slice of people that are like me who just have shit, you know, and we learn to get around it. That. Yeah, there's we got to be more confident in what those skills really do for us. For me, I've I've had all these things, yet I've been very successful. Like my ability to work with people and to make a team productive is so much greater than those with a typical brain. And why do you think that? 
because it's a life I've led. I've, I've, I've had to learn humility the hard way. I have lots of regrets that I've tried to change and do things the other way. I've had to think about it. I didn't have the skills to do things myself. I had to rely on other people. Mine wasn't a want to rely on other people. If I didn't use other people to get things done, I would get nothing done. Okay. Because I didn't have the capacity to do it myself. And I don't mean physical leader. I mean when it comes yeah. to different things, neurological things. Right. Right. Well, you've always said that you had trouble reading, writing. Yes. Arithmetic was really yes, bad, really yeah. hard for you. Have all you ever been diagnosed at all? Yes, I have. I've Back in my, I think, 30s, I, I just, I'm doing well in my career and, you know, being successful. And yet, fucking on some days, I can't spell the word that. Right. Or I can't, I can't do a calculation that I've done every day for 30 days. I mean, it's like, it's sometimes my brain just, and I can't figure it out that I can't read and I can't write. And I'm just awful at this. So anyways, I went and got tested. Okay. I had children. I was getting, we were having children and want to know. And it came back that I had 17% normal capacity when it came to cognitive function. Wow. That's low. That's, it's <laughs> super low. And that's, all the stuff it. around spelling and reading and putting syllables together and, you know, that sort of stuff. I'm 17%, like, like awful. Now, that was a bad, well, it wasn't bad. Then there were some signs of dyslexia and stuff like that. Now, right. you know, it was on my own nickel, so I wasn't spending big dollars to get all the, the full ramp of, okay. I just wanted to know. And it certainly did help me to figure out my, you know, the way my brain worked. Did anything good come out of it? Like, did it show you that you had any positive qualities? Oh, yes. Actually, it came back for comprehension. So understanding the issue that what I just would test all those words would tell you that I get 17% was 97%. I don't understand how that could happen. Well, me too. I mean, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing that you can't read, that you can't put this shit together. And yet somehow you can pick out of the air. So you Did think- they do a special study on you? No. Oh, no. Well, no, nothing scientific. I have, okay. People have wondered a lot about me, though, over yes, the years, I yes. must say. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy, isn't it? It, it just is. shows you. But one thing it did for me, it just made me, and it was, I guess, a lot the way the psychology explained it to you. Your brain just works differently. And it just gave me confidence that, you know what, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Not, not, well, that, not well, in this realm. Yeah, yeah not in this yeah, realm. Arguably, Let's not go there. Let's arguably. Not go there. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with me. It's right. just I am what I am. And then, so if I'm going to be what I am, I have no choice. I am what I am. And I know that if you ask me to do it the standard way, which right. I know I can't do, I'm just failure. So the only way for me to succeed is to figure out how to do things my way. So that involves not just doing it my way, but figuring out how to be creative and maneuver right. and get around and work with people to get it done my way. Not to say you sound like a song, but uh, doing it your way. My way. Your way. <laughs> your way. Yes. Okay. Well, no, the song the is song my way. The song is my way. Yes, yes, you're right. You know what? I think... <laughs> <laughs> Every day of my life, I've done it my way. Well, it's yes. got me into a lot of trouble and a lot of people shaking their heads yeah. or whatever. But I guess huh, the first example I might have of that would be early on in my life when I was had an opportunity to be a lifeguard at the pool. You know, I went out and did all the courses and all that sort of stuff. And I, one of the things that came along with that after a couple of years was coaching the the competitive swim team. You were a coach. I was. What age group? Oh, they're all age groups from like seven or six years old to 17. Oh, okay. But let's not get too much into the details of okay, it. Okay, let's not. 
So I started to coach the swim team. And, you know, I mean, even then we didn't care about winning. I mean, it was just having fun. And we'd go out to these uh, tournaments in different cities. And that was great. And, you know, everybody right. loved it. And kids camped out on the floors of the gym and that sort of stuff. And it was fun. And, you know, the kids were always great. But as I got older, I started getting this more competitive feeling, this thing of, you know, maybe wanting to win. And we started to change our philosophy. And we did have some minor successes and that kind of built, you know, let's go for it type of thing. Right. So we kind of, as a team, decided like, yeah, let's, let's kind of change things and let's, let's try to win the provincial championship. Now you got to appreciate, we're like 18 of 18 or 17 wow. of 18 teams. Like we're at the bottom rung. So we change our philosophy and our philosophy really centers around finding the balance between hard work and fun. Now, we always had the provincial swimming bodies. They would come by. They'd say, here's the way you got to do things. Here's the way you go organize yourself. And here's the structure of a mm, practice. That must have gone over well. Oh, uh, well, well, I listened. You know, I'm a young kid. I'm saying, oh, these guys must know what they're talking about. But the kids hated all of it. It was too structured. It was too formal. It was just, it was no fun. So... Like I do, I just ignored what they said. I kind of took the skills that they brought forward and I developed okay. a way that the kids could have fun. And you could see the kids start to connect with that. What I really learned was the connection between hard work and fun. If you And, and what happened was the way we structured the programs, kids were working their guts out and not even realizing it because they were having fun. fun. It's that's amazing, isn't it? It truly is. The impact of fun, enjoyment, and and that enjoys enthusiasm. When you're enthusiastic about what you're doing, I think it changes the, the chemical things happening in your brain, but it does change everything. <laughs> right. and I, oh, my God. And the best thing the kids love, and it wasn't even about training, it was playing this thing we called murder ball. Never heard of it. No, what no, is it? no. Nobody no, has. I think I'm we sure. made it up. We, you know, you <laughs> you get on two sides of the pool and you throw a ball in. You create two teams, and the object was to get the ball to the other end. Well, it was. You got to appreciate. There's like 20 kids on each side, and the, all the coaches and everybody would participate. Oh, so it was the whole, everybody. The everybody, and okay. it was. There were no rules. Well, you couldn't drown anybody. Yeah, maybe that's maybe, nice. or get yeah. caught yeah. at it. And the banging and the crashing, and I can remember. 12 kids hanging on top of me and they love that thing so much. They would come to practice just so we could play murder ball at the end of practice and they would work there and it would be okay, work hard. We're going to play murder ball. Right. They would swim. But the craziest thing was their performance shot up through the roof. So we're going from like the worst team in the province to that first year, we win the provincial championships by 250 wow. points. Wow. Is that a lot? I don't know. I oh, don't, yeah. That's I, a lot. I, I don't know anything that's about that. That's a lot. Swimming. You win by 30, 40 points. I mean, there are good teams who win by a lot, something okay. like that. And we were yeah. a good team. We won by a lot. And we carried on that philosophy. And I must say, with the frowns, like the, the provincial body didn't say our success and go, way to go. They said, why aren't you conforming to imagine? So they, they ignore their success and only focus on, you of didn't course. follow it our way. Yeah, you didn't do and the And of rules. course, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, like yeah. I care what you think. Yeah. So of course, I went, carried on doing it. And guess what happened the following year? I have no idea. We won the provincial championships by 500 points. Now, Wow, okay. I'm going to be excited even though I don't know what that means. No, but it's incredible. But that was about doing it my way. It was connecting fun, mm -hmm. driving enthusiasm, ensuring that it was connection. And it, because we had that connection and enthusiasm, work and fun became the same thing. Okay. And I would carry that philosophy on to right through my career. I mean, I like to have fun. 
Yes, you so do. Made I've total noticed sense that about to me. you. Yeah, yes, no, so I've it made total that. sense to me. Why wouldn't you? You know, sometimes you get stuck in this, you know, I don't like work and I don't like this. And well, stop doing it that so way. Change it. Right. So another example might be when I was working for Shoppers Drug Mart, and I'd been there a few years and Walmart was coming to Canada. Wow. Yeah, it was big That was news. a long time ago. It's a long time How ago. How old are you? Oh, I'm 39. Okay. Thanks. I, thanks for asking. Okay. So uh, Walmart's coming to Canada. Shoppers Drug Mart is scared shitless. What are they going to do to us? You know, pharmacy departments are going to oh, cut the price. Yeah. They're going to do all that sort of stuff. I mean, they put so many people out of right. business. And uh, the first concentration of Walmarts is really going to be around Halifax. So they're concerned what it's going to do to the Halifax stores, which is not a, a, a well-run region. Or not well-run. It's not operating very successfully at the time. So they asked me if I'd like to go to Halifax, and I say, sure, uh, but I'm going to do it my way. There's that song again. Yes. So, so I go in and, and you got to appreciate it. I have these group of owners who love being king of their castle. Mm, I can imagine. They're independent. They don't want anybody's input. And it's simple. Well, listen, you can die in the vine and we can change the way we're doing things. And of course, we had a lot of good, healthy discussions. And we, we started to understand that we needed to change. Because what was maybe good in their minds isn't good enough anymore. Okay. Or Walmart's going to eat your lunch and you're not going to have a business. Right. So- we went back to the same philosophies. From a business perspective was organization and simplicity. We don't want to get too much into that, but throw out complexity. Let's build teamwork. Let's do the things that are simple. Okay, so we did that. But it came back to fun. How do we drive the enthusiasm of our employee? Because we, I think we finally came to an agreement that with an enthusiastic workforce, we could drive success. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seems to be a good uh, formula so far. Yes. So we did that. But here's the thing. So we started doing some things outside the box. So we created this thing called Skit Night. Oh, God. Come, oh, no. No, no. Help it us. was great. So everybody, every there's all the stores in the office would get up on stage and they'd do a skit. Okay. Uh-huh. Of course, there's alcohol involved and everybody's having fun. And, and everybody's there from the cashiers to the vice presidents, the owners of the stores. Everybody's there all mingling, all connecting, all having fun. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've done Beat It, Michael Jackson's Beat It. I've done the moonwalk across the stage. No, oh, I'd like to see that one. Well, I tell you, I could never do it. I practiced and practiced. Mm-hmm. I could never do it to that night. I had a few rum in me and I'd tell you, I yeah. slid across that floor. And I've done... <laughs> Uh, pump me up on a Saturday Night Live and so on and so forth. And all the stores would do crazy things. And it was such an amazing hit. It was incredible. And I got to tell you, you go into the stores after those nights, Mm -hmm. the smile on the employee's face. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. These are big halls full and everyone having fun. Vice president's having a drink with the cashier and, you know, I'm having a drink with the receiver from a store. And it just changed the way people looked at it. And I got to tell you, when customers came in, they could feel it. And Walmart never had a chance. That's fabulous. You know, I got to tell you another story, too, because okay. we did some other things. And one was this, we did this weekend ad thing where we <laughs> put specials on. We picked six items. We discounted them to really take the steam out of Walmart. Okay, you know? yeah. Just to get, and get people yeah. in the store. So we're at a meeting one day, and a guy says, you know, we should put pound cakes on sale. Did you just say a pound cake? A pound, well, what is a pound cake? Well, <laughs> your, I know your, what a pound cake is. Your mother might know what a pound cake no, is. No, I know, but I... <laughs> 
Yeah, That's yeah. what I heard. Was yeah, a pound, pound cake. cake. Yeah. Okay. So we decided we we're going to put pound cakes on sale. And we got this great price. I can't remember the price now. It might have been fifty nine cents or ninety nine cents. I said, "Well, we'll give it a try. I don't know if this is going to work." Well, I got to tell you, half of Halifax showed up. Are you they serious? were they, they were lined <laughs> up around the block. For a pound cake? For a pound cake. It was great. We sold thousands and thousands of pound cakes. Oh, my God. It was an incredible success. But it shows you, again, that getting out of the box, right. being creative, focusing on teamwork, fun, excitement, enthusiasm, which aren't really what, you know, aren't an operations manual. So it's about policies and structure and those type of things. And they're important, too. But they have to lie on the foundation of fun and excitement. How do you take those two stories and relate them back to what we were talking about earlier, which, of course, is the atypical brain and neurodiversity. Yeah, it's interesting in those two stories. When I mean, we talk about it doing my way, and both of them, I mean, certainly there were, there were pieces of how I got the team organized, both to the swim team and Halifax and all that. But when it comes to the atypical brain and neurodiversity, to be honest, on neurodiversity, a year ago, I didn't know what that meant. But you were writing a book. I know. I was writing, I've been <laughs> writing a book for five years yeah. on the subject, but that term was, was foreign to me. Okay. So you, you, didn't, you didn't start the book with that term in mind? Oh, then. not at all. Oh, okay. Not at all. And certainly not even with the atypical brain in mind. Or oh, atypical. yes, true. Right, it right. was, I'm just writing this book. I'm trying to understand what's going on. We've kind of yeah, already we, gone yeah. through that story. Yeah. But so, you know, six, about a year ago, I was talking to a call, a past colleague of mine who's now like a senior VP at, in HR at some drug company. And she was saying, you know, neurodiversity, Rick, is going to be big. And this is what this book is about. Oh. So you better make sure it's labeled right so you can get at your right audience. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And atypical is just, you know, we've talked about that yeah, too. It's a yeah, sliver yeah. of all that. But I'm asking how they relate back to those stories. As I went through life, I learned. And I learned that what worked for me was different than what worked for other people. And, in, in, you know, living my own life and really worrying about me, I thought that was particular to me. Right. And as life would go on, I would very much discover that it's, it's, there's a lot of people like me. Different, but the same. Right. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I'm going through life, I'm dealing with all this stuff, and I start to build what we could call coping strategies. I can't do this, so I figure out how to do it another way. I can't do that, so I figure out how to do it another way. And all of a sudden, I become, I, I start to develop skills that are not typical to everybody else, very particular to me, but that work for me, okay? And that was very important. So I could get confused easily. Because I mean, my cognitive processing, I didn't understand right. this and understand that. So I found that getting organized really helped me understand what was going on. So I'd break things down into pieces and pieces that I could understand. Then I would paste them back together. I really became an expert at clarity and simplification. I'm a very straight talker. And I like it when people talk straight to me. Right. Because they understand it. And I understand it. Somebody gets up there and they're making great speeches and they sound great. And so often I walk away saying, I didn't get any of that. Right. right. You know, so you start to develop skills and, and you know, and, and I should give you and one other skill. Well, not a skill. It's a reaction to my environment. What does that mean? Well, exactly? it means that when I'm a lot of times anxiety always kind of held me back, stopped me from getting up and asking a question, stopped me from maybe even going for a job or made yeah. me feel that I wasn't capable of certain jobs because how could I operate in that environment? God, I remember telling myself for so long, I never wanted to move to Toronto to get any of the big jobs, just didn't want to be part of that environment. And I would learn later on, that was just me 
putting myself in a safe spot. Right. Safe Being, place. Yeah. If you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to get hurt. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But you get yourself convinced it's really not that. It's I really defense. don't want to hang around yeah. with all those other oh, yeah. guys, you know. Yeah. All it's those, those defense mechanisms that we put in place. Right. I would learn... That when I would, and, and what would happen though, because of the anxiety, my brain really wouldn't function. It's like one thing that when I had my test done in the psychology, when we did the 17 yeah. and the 95%, really talked about how I had developed coping strategies. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And part of that was that if she would, if you would think that my brain, I have a brain's plate. Okay. Let's assume, and, and on a busy day, my brain's plate is full. Okay. And it's just full with thoughts and some anxiety and all that. And the more I could remove from my brain's plate, the better my brain would function. So when I say I couldn't do a calculation on that busy Tuesday that I did on Monday, it's because on Tuesday my brain plate was full. And a lot of that was anxiety. So all of these sorts of things, I think, relate back to, you know, talk about neodiversity. So, you know, anxiety disorder. So here's, I've, I've given an example yeah. of I dealt with my anxiety, getting the right people around me, learning to relax, removing it from my brain's plate. I, to, I learned to deal with what things that confuse me by getting organized. So ADHD, you know, always got to get things done, always getting in a rush. I learned to calm that down. I learned to have people around me. I learned to delegate. And by delegating, all that stress to get everything done left. Oh, okay. Okay, dyslexia. So I couldn't write, and I was I was never a good writer or a good reader. So I found people who could help me. So I, they would help you with emails and exactly, editing uh, and that type 100%, of thing? hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. Because, I mean, when I, at times, would write an email and just send it out with nobody kind of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I they would sit around in the hallway going, um... What do you think he's trying to say here? <laughs> I remember once sending one out to the my sports team that I coach on, my daughter's team, and I sent it out to the parents. They passed it around to each other saying, I don't get it. What's really? he saying? Oh, yeah, no, no, oh, that's how that bad, bad it was. So oh, when you goodness. do that enough and you embarrass yourself enough like right. that, I learned not to do that because my brain sees what it wants to see. I, okay. I understand that. I do. So getting how I made sure I had strong EAs. I made sure that I reviewed letters over and over. And even knowing that when it was an important letter, it wasn't enough for me to do it. I had someone else do it. Okay. But I surrounded myself with people who were glad to do that, who were glad to help. So you can see I'm, I'm developing coping strategies to develop skills that are tackling my neuro challenges. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One by one by one. And the marvelous thing is, and we'll keep talking about this, as those skills that I develop seem to become stronger, greater, more competent than the skills that the typical thinkers had who have the IQ, who have the degrees, who have all of that, because I've had to evolve, I've had to deal with, I've had to fight. I had to fight. Yeah. You're absolutely right you to make to it fight. happen. And all of that, you learn so much. You learn about life and about people and you understand people. And those are the things that allowed me to be successful. At the end of the day, to have employee engagement scores that were some of the highest in the world. Why? Pretty, pretty and, and it's important though. High engagement scores and high results. Because it's not, you know, but I've never, you know, never run in a country club. It's not no, about no. having yeah. fun. I mean, it is about having fun, but not in spite of not doing a good job. Right. So, so when you bring up the, the uh, engagement, as you say, you also bring up the profitability or the sales, whatever you're doing. Yeah, make no mistake. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's like the swim team. Yeah. We worked hard, we had fun, we got great results. 
Right. Halifax. And I, I think we might have even, do we mention it? But yeah, the results, I mean, we did 65% of the profitability for Atlanta, Canada. No, you didn't say that. Yeah, when we went to, when later in my career, when I was a senior VP running the retail banner group, you know, we went from 1,200 stores to 2,500 stores. We wow. increased our profits just significantly. Uh, we created a share, shared service organization. We really changed the way that many pharmacies operated. It was all based on success, and that's what it's about. It's not just have fun for the sake of having fun. No. It's for people to feel good about what they do and be enthusiastic with me and be proud of the results that they get. And let me leave you with three takeaways. One, figure out what you're good at and maximize those skills. Two, find or create an environment where you can shine. And three, try to make hard work and fun feel like the same thing. And if you can do all of those or one of those, you're well on your way to maximizing your potential. So, Rick, what's happening on our next podcast? Well, we have a guest. We oh. have our first guest on our podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited. And it's going to be Carlos Davovich. He mm -hmm. just wrote a book called The Five Brain Leadership. He's someone I've known for a while. He used to be my executive coach. Oh, really? When I was in Toronto. Uh, he is a neurodiversity expert, a very smart guy, but very down to earth. And he'll, he'll present things in a very practical way. I think his perspective will be very interesting, actually. Well, I can't wait. But before we sign off. Well, to my surprise, there's actually no disclaimers this week. Rick, you actually cleaned up your language. I'm so shocked and so proud of you. Well, I can't promise that every week. No, I know, I know. But I'm going to take the win when I get it. Well, I, I, you know, it was quite a scolding you gave me. So, I, you know, I did listen. I am, I am kind of a little afraid of you. So. Oh, good. I like it that way. Okay. So until next time, remember, own who you are. For more information on the Atypical Leader, please go to our website, atypicalleader.com. <laughs>